1: This episode of Blue Shirts Breakaway is brought to you by poutine. We ate Montreal's poutine, now we're trying to eat Ottawa's poutine. And to learn more about Ottawa's poutine, we bring on an SB Nation writer who's also supporting this podcast. And all of you out there that's supporting this podcast and are still listening because we're still going and we're on a Stanley Cup run. Here we go. Hey, Blue Shirt Breakaway fans. Welcome to another week of the Blue Shirts Breakaway. I'm here with my good co-host, Gregory. Greg, say hello.
2: Does that make James the bad co-host?
1: Uh, wow. Well, I didn't, wasn't calling James a co-host, but I guess so. Thanks, James. Um, James has been on I this mean, podcast he, a lot recently.
2: Well, yeah. He fills in when I'm either at a Met game or asleep, That's one, which of them. is two things I'm usually at.
1: <laughs> it's two to three things you're doing if you're not podcasting this. Right. Greg, Greg, last time we talked on this podcast on air, it was all gloom, doom. We said this, yep. this team was probably not fit for a living. living. We, they were going to yep. put them out of their misery. This was not going yep. good. It was not going anywhere. And we're in the second round. <laughs> What's up?
2: We went uh, it's almost like this, this amazing thing happens when you play extremely talented young wingers that can make a dif- difference offensively, how a team's play can just radically change.
1: I do want to take I a mean, second, but and, 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 before you go into a big rant, and I can't let you do it just yep. yet, I do want to take a yep. second to say it wasn't Tanner Glass's fault. He did an amazing no. job. He was the best Ranger on the ice or one of them during that, during that little three-game scratch. Av tried to go physical. It didn't work. Started to go skill instead. Put Pavel in the lineup, and we were 3-0. So, yes. The
2: Rangers, the Rangers got 100% effort and 100% efficiency from Tanner Glass. What the Rangers got in those three games from Tanner Glass, they could not have asked him for more. Nope. He did everything they wanted him to do, and then some the problem with playing tanner glass in that situation is it was never a winning strategy it, it it would not matter how well clearly it would not matter how well tanner glass played it would not it it mattered about the construction of the rangers lineup and the way that team was playing having to have a tanner glass like player in the lineup every night it was a losing strategy and that's why the rangers were down 2 to 1 is it's not Tanner glasses well, direct. None, none fault of that the Rangers showed up for Game
1: Three, and we talked about that uh, at end. Like, we...
2: no, but at the same time, it didn't take a genius to realize that Claude Julien was sh- shutting down the passing lanes, and that the Rangers thrive in a uh, transition style hockey game. And the only way you're going to open up passing lanes is not by having a bruiser in your lineup that is going to clog those lanes with his own presence. You have to have younger, more talented skaters in the lineup to create more opportunities for your offense. And that's exactly what Buchnevich is. My biggest gripe post um, the fans were asleep in game three. I think that's easily was my biggest problem the last time we recorded. This week is I have a real problem with writers and or fans giving AV credit for putting Buchnevich in the lineup. That shouldn't be something that needs credit. That should have been something that was happening from the get-go. If you wanted Tanner Glass in the lineup, it should not have been at the spite, to spite Pavel Buchnevich. Find a different player. I mean, look, Michael Grabner scored 27 goals this year, but it's safe to say he's probably been one of the Rangers' weakest players over the last two months. That's so not- if you wanted Glass in the lineup, I, it, it never made any sense for Buch to be the one to sit for Tanner Glass. So th- to now do an about-face and be like, oh, A.V., he understood the situation. He put Buchnevich in the lineup. No. Buchnevich should have been in from the get-go. It should not be praising a guy for fixing his own mistake.
1: Oh, listen, I'm, I not, guess. I'm not praising A.V. for fixing his own mistake. That, we talked about this at large on this podcast where we wanted Pavel Buchnevich in the lineup. We, wanted, we didn't want Tanner Glass to play. We talked about it for weeks before the playoffs. I'm not praising him for that. I am praising him for getting this team together and getting them ready to play and turning this series around. Or are you just saying that the Rangers, once once that shift to Pavel came in, it didn't matter what Av did. The team is just too talented.
2: Uh, I will stop short of saying Av did nothing to help the Rangers win this playoff series. He did help make At end of the adjustments. Av Av in game made adjustments that were surprising to see Av make. Uh, he learned that Nick Holden's a dumpster fire. And the less amount of time he's on the ice, the better off the Rangers are going to be. He made the right decision. Well, again, he made the wrong decision to split up Smith and Shea. And
1: then put it back. But he reversed
2: course and put them back together. Right. I don't want to give A.V. credit for that. But, yes, that is an important coaching adjustment that A.V. made. Um, A.V., I guess, deserves some credit for keeping Dan Girardi with Ryan McDonough. I think it would be unfair if we don't mention how well Dan Girardi played in the first round it's um, been
1: the redemption tour was... of people Blue Shirts Breakaway has crapped on all year. We Well,
2: with with Girardi, I will I, I will say that his excellence in the first round by his standards does in no way change my opinion that the best course of action for the Rangers is to buy him out. Oh in the st-
1: I still want to buy out Dan Girardi. No if ands buts about it. But I crapped on the guy all year. He's shown up and played a way I've never even knew he could play. Again. You know, it just—I
2: did not think Dan—I did not think Dan Girardi had this much life in his leg, simply because we haven't seen it in three years. Oh. Dan Girardi has not looked this good. Not
1: only that, he has life. a little bit of speed, and his physicality has been off the charts. Like, guy, guy hit people, man, like really hit them and checked them. Finished all his checks, and I was never scared when he was on the ice. It was an incredible feeling. Right, and it also
2: makes me wonder, you know, if Av shaved some of his minutes in the regular season a little more. Like, in previous years what do you mean like like, like we said
1: we should sit him a little bit what do you mean greg yeah.
2: <laughs> like, like again my frustrations with av it's, it's just the rangers at a certain point it became inevitable that they were going to make the playoffs right yeah so like at some m- two months point ago. you need to start thinking about how to best utilize your players to have them prepared for the playoffs and we i don't know how many times we said it look I'm not even going to say his name. It's just the Rangers had other defensemen that could have been playing <laughs> during the stretch to the playoffs. Even if you're not going to play them in the playoffs, they could have bought guys extra rest and kept them fresh. You know who's the guy that looks like he could have used extra rest during the regular season? Who's that? Mark call is just crying yes. for a break on his legs. Yes. And honestly – and I, I think it's safe to say that there needs to be a non-holding category to who was the worst defenseman for the Rangers. In the non-holding but category.
0: it was Mark
1: <laughs> Yeah, duh. It was Mark Stahl. I mean, and
2: that's, part of it is the fact that the top four defenders so played good. so well. So good. I mean, the Smith-Shea line, give me, it's give me. getting to a point with Brandon Smith that, one, it's, it, I feel like the Rangers are going to resign him. But if they don't, it's I'm, hard to criticize that trade.
1: Mm, if they don't, I'm going to be pretty upset if they don't resign him after this playoff series. I, I've you kind of, not have,
2: but kind of like you could not have asked for Dan Girardi or Tanner Glass to play better in the first round. You cannot ask for Brandon Smith to play better right now.
1: No, not at all. He's, argu-
2: he's, he's arguably the Rangers' best defense. Player.
1: His game seems to elevate in the playoffs. He's allowed to get away with more of what he wouldn't be able to get away with during the regular season.
2: The I, I don't know what more Jeff Gordon would need to see from Brandon Smith and Brady Shea. If that line isn't together for the next four years, uh, it, it, it seems like the Rangers did something wrong because they're playing, they're playing extremely well together. And I think it's important not only for the Rangers in this upcoming series with the Senators to keep those two together, but I think it's important for well, the Rangers long term.
1: Shattenkirk to keep might break that, break break that line up. So we'll see. Who knows?
2: I don't think, I think Shaddy, Shaddy has to play on the first line with McDonough. Hmm. And then, um, the Rangers did look, the Rangers made another important KHL signing. That oh, we yeah, should we talk should mention about. that, yeah. They, they brought in Berezgalov, who, by all accounts, is a strong, able-bodied defender that is great in the defensive zone, but equally capable of carrying the puck out on his own. Uh, and he, look, he's going to be an important piece for these Rangers next year. Second co-host, only James... because he's not named Klein or Holden.
1: Second co-host, James, uh, James Clark, said, uh, if you put him with Ryan Graves, you've got a stew going. That's how he described his play. So,
2: right, and yeah. as much as I would love that, I think, unfortunately, Beres Golov's NHL debut will be with Mark Stahl as his partner.
1: Absolutely will be. So, But but still, not exactly the worst situation. Could be worse. No, and I, again, it's if
2: if one of those things. If you manage Mark Stahl's minutes, I think Mark Stahl can still be an effective Viable, yeah. NHL player. Would I want Mark Stahl for the next four years like the Rangers have him under contract? Absolutely not. No way. But I, I, <laughs> a smart coach would find a way to utilize and space out Mark Stahl's minutes where you're getting a fresh Mark Stahl each and every night. And the Rangers should still have enough defensemen next year where that's possible. Again, one of my main complaints about AV is for whatever reason, this is a team or a coach that does not want to do that with his players. He does not want to, um, you know, give a guy a break when he needs a break.
1: Sometimes I guess those players. Do you think behind closed doors, kinda of Dan Girardi and Mark Stall are like, I wanna play. I wanna be out there and A V is just yeah, like but, sure. But
2: why 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 are you adjusting your lineup based on what a player wants? Isn't that kind of letting no, the inmates you, run island? Yeah,
1: exactly. I was just about to make that point afterwards and maybe you're right. I'm still on team A V and I can't actually find a good reason the more I talk to you. Which is <laughs> I'm not
2: gonna let you have one. <laughs> yeah. Or like any any reason you're gonna have, I'm just gonna be like, Okay, but here are three reasons why it's not great. Yeah. And you know, I guess this is not the time for Me to be going on the Rangers can do better than me. It's kind of time to
1: celebrate a little bit.
2: Again, I don't know. Should we – here's a good question for both of us. Okay. Should we consider this season a success if the Rangers lose to the Senators this round? I'd stop short of saying yes.
1: I would say yes, too. Uh, I will – I feel pretty confident. I I would say no is what I'm saying. Okay, I would say yes. It was still a success.
2: I don't think so. I think the Rangers – losing to the Senators would be a disappointment.
1: Okay. That's a team the Rangers are better than. I was just about to follow up. If we, I think we're going to beat the Senators. If we lose in the Easter Conference Finals, I think it's a successful season.
2: If the Rangers fall out of the I think if the Rangers fell out of the playoffs to either the Caps or the Pens, it would be hard to complain. Um, and if we beat, if that, if we beat either the Caps or the Pens,
1: the- we should win the Cup. That's it. <laughs> so, there's really yeah, not a lot I mean, going in on West. in the West right now.
2: I don't know. Smashville, man.
1: All right. right, guess, about- guess we know
2: who finally won that trade, huh?
1: Yeah. <laughs> nice job, Montreal. This – oh, by the way, do you know when Shea Weber's contract ends? Oh, like
2: what? Um, they'll uh, – 2027?
1: It's like – I think it's 2020. Yeah, I think it's 2026. I'm going to double-check right now, but I'm pretty it, sure. It's
2: a, it's a very long contract. I... And, you know, one has to wonder. Just – it's crazy to think that there was a scenario where the Canadians could have had a top pairing of P.K. Subban and Ryan McDonough.
1: No, that's disgusting. That's not
2: that, – like <laughs> if you're a Canadians fan – And you see something like that. You traded Ryan McDonough for Scott Gomez, which has to go down as one of the all-time worst trades in Canadians history and maybe one of the all-time best trades in Ranger history. And then you trade P.K. Subban. And it's not even so – look, Shea Weber had a better year this year than P.K. Subban. Absolutely. It it does nothing to my pride to admit that. The point that I made when that trade happened – and the point that most pundits made when that trade happened is, it won't be much of a difference for this year and maybe next year, but in five years, which defender are you going to want?
1: It's not and even it's, close. It,
2: it's not even close. You you want PK Subban on your team?
1: PK Subban's contract right now goes through twenty twenty two. It's actually not. It's it's pretty good. So it it, it he makes ten million dollars up to two thousand nineteen, and then he makes two million dollars in two thousand twenty and two thousand twenty one. It's not bad you know it's really
2: i would gladly take that contract considering the ridiculous contracts the rangers have on the blue line absolutely
1: uh actually i want to talk a little bit about the odds uh, we do mention this in our, our upcoming interview with ross anderson of sb nation for the Ottawa senators but uh i have these stanley what was, what was, what was his last name there what oh, did i mess it up was it not anderson oh,
2: it's not anderson remember it's, oh, it,
1: oh my god it, it, i i did make fun of him me? what was that yeah he's
2: got two first names I, let's it, think let's think it.
1: it's 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 blanking out of my head i'm so sorry ross <laughs> oh my Arnold, God, buddy Ross, Ross Arnold. Arnold, Jesus! Oh, I'm sorry, man. It was, a, it, was Writer- a, it is a it is a great interview coming up, by the way. We do talk. Managing
2: managing editor of SB Nation's Ottawa Senators page, Silver Sevens.
1: There you go. That was a nice plug. Uh, Stanley Cup odds right now: number one, Washington Capitals at three to one; Penguins four to one; Ducks five to one; Rangers seven to one; tied with the Edmonton Oilers mm-hmm. at seven to one. I saw
2: Rangers at eight to one.
1: Mm, this is today from the uh, Westgate Las Vegas Superbook. And then
2: Bovada, I think, has the Rangers at eight to one.
1: And then follow up with uh, Predators eight to one, Blues eight to eight to one, and Senators ten to one. So it looks like uh, it's...
2: if you want some of the best odds, I would say, it, betting aficionado, as someone that sucks as betting, mm-hmm. uh, the only two teams I think I would consider betting on um, Penguins
1: mm-hmm. at four to one. Yep, and Ducks and the Predators at eight to one. Oh, you like the Predators?
2: I like the Predators more than the Ducks.
1: Okay. Because I think it's
2: one of those situations where I can't see a scenario where the Ducks are good enough to ever beat the Capitals or Penguins. I can see a scenario to the Nashville Predators being able to beat one of those two teams if they stay hot like they are right now. Like, the most – I don't think it should have been so surprising that the Predators beat the Blackhawks in round one. Swept it the Blackhawks. It's extremely surprising they were able to sweep them and sweep them as convincingly as they did. Um so I would I would not hesitate to throw money on Predators at eight to one and you this could have literally biased. stopped that
1: I will not hesitate to throw money. <laughs> so. Right. But
2: like this will also sound biased. Like the Rangers at eight to one is also a good bet just because they should be a prohibitive favorite to make the Eastern Conference Finals. So you're betting on a team that should be in the final four. Right. And that is obviously a better shot at your money. And eight to one are pretty nice odds. I personally wouldn't just because I, I don't I've I've never seen a scenario where the Rangers are able to beat the Penguins in a seven game playoff series. Are you already assuming the team. Penguins
1: are gonna beat the Capitals?
2: I think the Capitals are shook. And I I definitely know the fans are shook. The fans were shook as soon as they went down two to one to the Maple Leafs. And I, I don't I think if the Penguins win game one against the Capitals, I think there's gonna be a lot of panic. More panic than there should be down one game to none in a playoff series.
1: I obviously, as a as a Ranger fan, want the Capitals to win because I do not want to play Pittsburgh. So,
2: um, yep. You know, yep. it's one of those things where we go back to there. I don't have bad playoff memories facing the Capitals, I where bad. I do have bad playoff memories facing the Penguins. I
1: have awful memories. Wow. I have one good memory when we were down three one and we came back. That's that's. I about personally, it.
2: if. If if we're being completely honest, I don't I don't see a way the Rangers beat either. Um, but I guess if you had to choose between two evils, I'd rather go. I'd have more fun going up against the Capitals.
1: Yeah, I would definitely have more fun. Uh, that's a team kinda, I feel kinda confident be, about beating.
2: Kind of have to beat the Senators first, though. That's not gonna Yeah, us. let's not get ahead of
1: ourselves. Not gonna, we'll see. We'll see. We'll, we, we make our predictions later on this podcast. Let's talk a little bit about just one more. Well, let's let's wrap up. Put a bow on the Montreal series. Uh, is there, well, here's a fun stat. Zero is the number of goals that Kreider and Miller scored in the first round. (laughs) So they scored 50 in regulation of the, I mean, of the regular season. That's going to change, right?
2: Yeah. Miller played much better, uh, especially in game six. Miller was much more noticeable on the ice in game six. One player who I think had the game of his life in game six was Kevin Hayes. Kevin Hayes single-handedly created that second Matt Zuccarello goal. Uh, that was some of the best, work I've seen Hayes do all season. Um, it was remarkable how he stayed with the play created that opportunity for Hayes. Uh, I mean, Zuccarello. And if Hayes can do that, that is a super intriguing line, Hayes, Miller, and Zuccarello. Um, I know part of the reason why that line came to be was because Zuc was struggling so mightily on the top lines yep. that the Rangers wanted to mix things up and AB wanted to finally mix things up as opposed to trying to stay with a broken record. Um, I I liked what I saw from that line in game six. Uh, I think Miller has played much better. Kreider is interesting um, because I I don't think – I think one of the best ranger lines in the series was KZB. They were creating opportunities. They were getting the puck and they were controlling possession.
1: But Kreider still, I, in general, like he played against the boards a lot. He wasn't forechecking. He wasn't. No, he wasn't and, a force in front of the net. Like I, the Kreider part, I know and love is way better than this. Greg.
2: Part of the that line being as effective as it was is because I don't know if the Rangers had a better player in round one as a forward than Nika Zibanejad. And again, Nika came on late. Though
1: he was not good for the first couple games.
2: Uh, I think he was pretty good in the first couple of games, and you're you're underestimating his performance. Maybe Um, I Could be true. But I think part of the problem was when Zuccarello was on that line, it just wasn't working. Uh, And Zuc played poorly in the first couple games of that series. And if you have two wingers that aren't playing well with a center, you know, you're going to... It's hard to look good when Kreider and Zuccarello are struggling. But Zubinijad played great at the end of the series. Obviously, Bucinavich made a huge impact as soon as he came in the lineup. So... I think it's only a matter of time if Crowder continues to play with those two that he's going to get his. They're right. pl- they're playing too well for Crowder not to.
1: He's going to be actually a key aspect of, of this upcoming series because the, the Senators play the trap a lot. And he's going to be the one that has to break through it in the neutral zone and kind of get a rush through. He has the speed to break the trap uh, and he'll be able to get rushed to the net. But that's not something he did a lot in the last series. You know, I made this point to James. Kreider was so invisible that the Montreal fans stopped booing him when he had the puck. Like that's they didn't even care. So
2: the the great thing about the Rangers four lines and how good they are is that every line has enough speed to break the trap. There shouldn't be any line that is overmatched by the Senators defense, which is a huge benefit that the Rangers have. Um, I I truly think when it comes to Kreider, that it's only a matter of time, um, especially, and it sounds like AV is keeping the KZB line together. So if you're keeping that line together with how well the Z and the B are playing on that line, it is only a matter of time until Kreider catches in. I, I truly believe that.
1: So it was good. I was actually terrified that we were going to go to game seven because this was going to be a nightmare podcast. Uh, you would have, I don't even know what would have happened. So I'm glad we don't even have to think about that world.
2: Well, game seven, what would have been? It would have been tonight. right
1: now as we're recording. So So
2: odds are I would have talked before the game and you would have talked to James after the game. And I would have just been angry with you after the fact.
1: Perfectly, 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 perfect. Uh, Is there anything else we've missed from this Montreal series? Is there any big takeaways we want other than Lundqvist is obviously playing out of his mind. We actually have four suitable defensemen and our forward should be able to handle uh, or actually even break out or play even better going forward. I,
2: I would still like to hear the justification AV has of playing, Nick Holden, I, I just, what is he seeing? What is he seeing? What, what does he think he's going to see?
1: I don't think it's what, what? he's seeing. I think it's what he thinks he has. Otherwise, he thinks he has nothing in Clendenning, camper and Klein. That's really why he doesn't trust any of those guys. So he's really playing. I don't, I don't know how we
2: can trust Holden. he's
1: he doesn't. He's just strictly going. This is the guy I trust the sixth most on this team. I don't trust Clendenning. I'm not gonna put Camper in this situation, and I just watched Klein play, and it was the worst game of the season. So we're gonna stick Holden on the last the last defensive pairing and see what he can do.
2: I I just I am praying that for whatever reason Vegas sees Nick Holden as a viable option for the expansion draft. That would be just so kind of them to do for us.
1: I don't think Vegas is looking to be kind to the New York Rangers. Uh, I have a feeling that they're not, that's not on their top of their list of things to do. I want to talk about. Well, wh-
2: I wonder if like the Rangers can give them a draft pick just to take Holden or something. I doubt they ever will. Because again, I think I, regardless of what you're saying, I think AVC's value in Nick Holden. I just, I just remember being super critical about him for the first six weeks of the season. And you kind of being like, Greg, come on. It's Greg's all right. It's getting ridiculous. It's okay and uh i I'm just saying you know funny how life comes full circle
1: it seems to come full circle a lot, and I'm hoping it doesn't happen again when we when we do uh take on this Ottawa team and probably beat them hopefully uh one more player I want to talk about Jimmy v c is an adult, just saying it this guy's an adult has a mustache of a, of a fifteen year old but he has played out of his mind, and really I'm super excited to have him on this team going forward because that I did not expect i we talked about the rookie wall. he's kind of over it now. Can we agree on that?
2: Yeah. And I, th- I think part of it is Ranger fans have adjusted their expectations for VC where they're not expecting him to get a point a game
1: no. like
2: VC to be effective. Like it's kind of like Bucinavich. Bucinavich doesn't need to score every game to be effective. Ranger fans are realizing Jimmy VC living on that line with step on that Nash does not need to score every game to be effective. He needs to create opportunities for Rick Nash and that's exactly what he's doing. And uh, you could make a case that Rick Nash may have had his best playoff series as a Ranger against the Canadiens. I
1: think that's actually a pretty easy case to make because he scored goals. So, I mean, what more do you want? <laughs> Rick Nash had some pretty poor playoff if series. He could, if he could
2: also somehow be the Rangers' sixth defenseman, uh, be, that's what more I would want. He
1: pretty much is, just like Carlson's the fourth forward for the Senate, Ottawa Senators. Rick Nash is kind of that for us. Oh,
2: but that, that's Carlson is one of the greatest two way defenders. The NHL seen the last twenty years.
1: We're definitely going to see a lot of him in this series, but hopefully he won't be able to take it over. He just, he just oh, we should probably he, talk he, about. That's the thing. Should we mention that the Brassard thing? We kind of go into it in the Senators interview, right? Um, we can.
2: I think it, there's most of the Brassard thing for Ranger fans. I think is going to be nostalgia. Um, Broussard had we talked about this with our guest, um, whose name you don't remember, Mr. Russell Arnold, uh, Russell? Ross Arnold, Russell. I say. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> we're, we're on fire. Whoa. Ross Arnold. Ross, um, we mispronounced
1: your name twice now. Thank you. Derek Brassard
2: had eight points in the six-game series against the Boston Bruins. That is the first six-game stretch this entire year where Broussard has put up that many points. He had a phenomenal series against the Bruins. And I think Ranger fans, they're, they're going to see Brassard and they're going to get, you know, teary-eyed. But important things to remember, one – it's still a phenomenal trade for the Rangers, not just to get Sabanajad, but to get the second-round pick with them. Two, what Derek Broussard did against the Boston Bruins is, again, kind of like what Tanner Glass did in the first three games in the series. That is the 100%, 100th percentile effort senators could expect from Broussard. They can't ask him to do more, and in all likelihood, he will slide back a little bit. Three, Derek Broussard is not the type of player – you should be terrified of defensively. He is a good player, but not great. And I think that is the case with the large majority of senators forwards. And that's not just me saying it. Ross himself says the senators are kind of good, not great. Um, you can, you can't. The reason the Boston Bruins lost is because they let someone like Derek Broussard beat them. If you're the Rangers, you should be good enough where that isn't a problem. And I, I don't think, think it will be, but
1: I do think Broussard will get his in this series, if it matters or not. And uh, I will be sad to see him playing on the other team, but I know it was it was a much better trade for us.
2: I'm not 100% sure Broussard will be able to get his. I mean, the Rangers did a really good job of, like, Alexander Regilov was maybe the best forward in the Montreal series. Disagree. Part of that Gallagher
1: was, was the best forward, but whatever.
2: No, I th- I think it was Radulov by a mile. Um, Gallagher was a pest, so I think you noticed him more, but Rajlov was involved in almost every scoring opportunity the Canadians had. And I think part of the reason why Radulov was involved in almost every scoring opportunity the uh, the Canadians had is because of the defensive matchup she was getting to play against. Max Pacioretty, every time he took the ice, had to look at Ryan McDonough and Dan Girardi, who played phenomenally together. Um, Derek Broussard, every time he takes the ice, is gonna have to go against McDonough Girardi or Shea Smith. He's not gonna get the benefit of going against the Rangers third pair. Totally fair. Uh, And I think, um, I think that's gonna be a big reason why we're not gonna see the same type of production from Broussard in this series that he had against the Bruins. He's just, it's crazy that this sentence is gonna come out of my mouth, Mm -hmm. but Derek Broussard, in all likelihood, will be playing against a better, defensive pairing against the Rangers than he was against the Bruins.
1: That feels ridiculous to say. On that note, uh, can we move on to our interview, and then we'll come back to a little bit of nonsense. I'm sure you have a Mets rant for us, and then we'll call it a day. I
2: have a big Mets rant.
1: All right, let's go. I'm going to move over to the interview now with Ross. We're going there right now. Here we go. Woo, woo. Hey, now we have Ross Arnold, the managing editor of SB Nation. He, uh, of all of SB Nation, of actually just the Ottawa Senators page. Ross, say hello. Hello, everyone. So we brought Ross on to kind of give us a feel of the Ottawa Senators and what the Rangers are going to get to go against in this next playoff series. We luckily both made it. We made a trade in the offseason, and the only time I saw the Rangers in person this year, the Ottawa Senators shut us out 2-0. So as you can imagine, I'm super confident going into the series.
0: <laughs> I'm sure. I mean, everyone's super confident going into a playoff series, right?
1: Uh, I, well, no. Uh, last week on this podcast, not, <laughs> not, not that you listen, we trashed our coach. So we said he should be okay. fired, and now we're on to the second round. <laughs> so... yep.
0: Well, the Rangers have a good young team. I was very surprised when I went looking to see how many forwards in the 26 and under category there are playing.
1: A large amount. More yeah. than you'd be, like, we were considered a very old, fragile team last year. Exactly. And, now- and then when
0: I started doing uh, mock expansion drafts, I said, wait, the Rangers have a real decision to make here. They have a lot of guys who yeah. could get taken and could be useful for Vegas.
1: Yeah, we were hoping that would be... Yeah, we're still
2: trying to convince Vegas to get Nick Holden and just take him off our hands. Take no him. problem. Take That'd him, be buddy. great. Okay.
1: That, yeah, yeah uh, okay, buddy. <laughs> okay.
2: <laughs> Go
1: ahead, Greg.
2: under the age of 26. <sighs> It's arguably Mika was our best player in the first round, or at least one of the three. But at the same time, Derek Broussard was kind of the Senators' best player against the Bruins, wasn't he?
0: Yeah. I mean, Broussard does best when he has the best wingers playing with him. His best stretch of play during the season, he had Hoffman on his left and Stone on his right. So I don't know if Broussard's going to keep it up this round, hopefully on my end, but Sense fans haven't been too impressed with his play for most of the season, and it's not a good idea to look at six games and say, this is the real Derek Brissard.
1: Were you excited about that trade when it happened, or were you, like, devastated?
0: <sighs> I understood why they did it. The main idea was that Mika Zibanejad was going to need a new contract, mm-hmm. and they said, we'd rather put that money into Hoffman and Stone and Carlson and stuff eventually. So, I didn't love it. I just, Ottawa was getting older and not any better, even in the even in the short term. But, I understood why the team did it.
1: If Broussard ends up uh, breaking my heart this entire series, you would you would probably accept the trade a little bit more?
0: <laughs> <laughs> yes, exactly. And that's the thing, right? That the whole year, Sands fans have been complaining about Bobby Ryan, and then first go- game of the playoffs, he scores the first goal, and everything on Twitter was the it was that contract's worth it, worth every penny. <laughs> so. You That's, forgive everything for a little You don't, bit need, don't even to talk like
2: to this. us about players scoring the first goal of the playoff series and fans having to eat their words. We had 10 in class <laughs> yeah. score our yes. first damn goal. Yes, I watched so, that
1: goal. <laughs> oh, <laughs> unbelievable. We, uh, another thing like, we I spent trashing it. for weeks, and then he scored the first goal and then played as the, probably the best player on the team through three games. So that was pretty incredible. So that, we eat a lot of crow yeah. in this podcast, in case you were wondering. Well,
0: yeah, I mean, I, I gave the sense trade for Burroughs an F. And then he scored two goals in his first game and had a lot of people saying, so what do you think of the trade now?
1: Yeah, this happens a lot when you're a quote-unquote analyst.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, just, exactly.
1: You just happen to be wrong. So right now, I want to yeah. I want to throw some Vegas odds at you. The Ottawa Senators are 10-1 okay. to 1 to win the Stanley Cup. They're actually the worst odds. Is that something you agree with?
0: Uh, I think so. I think it's a tough matchup Good. against the Rangers, and the next round will be tougher. <laughs> Well, I yeah. How do you
2: how how do you think the Senators match up against the Rangers, just head to head? That's the
0: debate. That's the debate we've been having. Um, I think our answers are coming out on the site tomorrow. But most of us seem to think that Lundquist is a more reliable goalie than Anderson. Um, that's fair. the Rangers' defense. We don't recognize very many of the names except for that's fair. People, like Gir-
1: <laughs>
0: people like Girardi and people like Stall who are recognized for being overpaid. Um, the offense, I think the Rangers are deeper and faster. And then coaching, we're like, ah, most of us are pretty happy with what Boucher does. He seems to look at another team and say, okay, what can we do to beat them? Boston, he said their defense is slow and injured. Let's just have two forecheckers all the time and force their defensemen to make mistakes.
2: That could work against the Rangers. That
1: would definitely Uh, work. I will
2: say, say, though, uh, Dan Girardi may have had... The best playoff series he's had in about five about years. Five years. For the Rangers yes. That's, that's, that's um, true. And
0: again, worth every penny.
1: <laughs> well, no. <laughs>
2: <laughs> may, may, may stop short of that. Uh, he, it's just, I, it would be unfair to say Dan Girardi played poorly against the Canadians. But, you know, the question is mm-hmm. for the Rangers, how much of that was the Canadians offense just not being as high powered as maybe people thought it was? And how much of that was you know, Ryan McDonough has easily been the Rangers' best defenseman for probably the last half decade. And <laughs> anyone you put with Ryan McDonough is just simply going to play better. Yes, exactly.
1: Speaking of uh, top-notch defensemen, you have a top-notch defenseman with two uh, hairline fractures in his heel, Eric Carlson?
0: Yes. Uh, we were all a little surprised that he announced that.
1: I'm a little surprised he announced that. When I saw it coming to the matchup, It's ha- it happened in the Flyers game on March 28th, and he's been playing with it since?
0: Well, he sat out a bunch at the, rest of the, at the end of the season. He played two games against Detroit to guarantee Ottawa's playoff spot and then got back out again. So he has mostly been resting it. Um, GM Pierre Durion was talking to the media today, and he said he was also surprised that Carlson revealed that, but said that if he's telling the media, it means it's probably healed at this point.
1: Um, I'm not a doctor. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so, but, but,
1: yes. But, he, had, yes. he has a quote saying, if he keeps putting a shot in it, he'll be good to go by Thursday. So. Uh, I don't want to like say that that's probably not true, but I'm but just, he, he's a tough guy, is what I'm saying.
0: Yeah, it's true. We were all surprised when he tore his Achilles that he took 25 games off and then was back and was once again the dominant defenseman he'd been before. I don't so. know
1: how hockey players do it. I really don't. Like, I'm, not, I'm not a tough guy at all. I don't claim to be. This is just, it's just yeah. absolutely incredible. Ryan McDonough yeah. did this two years ago, and he did not play well, but he played on a broken foot.
0: Yeah. And I mean, some people say it's as pro athletes, they're in better shape. So they're already healing faster. And then they have access to the best medical advice you could possibly get. But even still, I don't think I would heal a hairline fracture in a month if I had the best doctors in the world working on me.
2: Now, you mentioned earlier, uh, maybe the undersell of the century that Henrik Lundqvist is a little more reliable than Craig Anderson. Uh, No insult (laughs) to Craig Anderson there. (laughs) Everyone knows the great story behind Craig Anderson this year. But I guess, maybe Enlightened Ranger fans, how has he been playing recently?
0: Um, most of this season, he's been very good. We've all been very surprised to see just how well he's been playing. Um, the playoffs, he kind of battened down for the last couple games. At the beginning, we were saying Ottawa was winning despite Craig Anderson, which most people thought was a plus because we know that he does have the ability to steal a game when he needs to, but that's it. Is that Anderson has the ability to steal a game? You're not going to expect him to steal a series for you.
1: Henrik Lundqvist has accidentally steal series. Um, he just like I don't know what he does in the playoffs. He becomes another monster that I, I'm not used to seeing during the regular season.
0: Well, I I believe it. I'm I'm not excited about the prospect <laughs> of playing against Lundqvist. That I, when he's on. He is very, very on.
1: The good news is that if who? you finally beat him—not well finally, but if you do beat him—you get the reward of playing either Sidney Crosby or Alex Ovechkin. So that's that's wonderful. That's great.
2: Exactly. <laughs> 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 who who, uh, who on the Rangers in the non-Henrik Lundqvist category are Senators fans most concerned about? Uh, probably Mika Zibanejad.
0: Wow. Which, because well, because he's very good, and because we know how much it's going to hurt when he starts scoring against Ottawa. Spoiler alert: That's how yeah, he, scoring, we're, scoring, we're scared of our lovers
1: yeah uh who, who are like the three or four forwards on your team that are kind of sneaky good? maybe we don't know about, or I guess I'd go with two or three, whichever you want name any number so
0: okay, <laughs> so normally, when I'm running through things with people is that talk about Mike Hoffman having the elite level shot and Mark Stone being the guy who just always has the puck mm-hmm. i he looks like he's playing hurt now because he has not been his takeaway self so far in the playoffs, but outside of that, there's. I mean, there's not a lot of guys you're going to hear of. The Sens are kind of a, a, a committee. The bottom six rotates through depending on who's healthy and who Boucher's is happy with. I don't I don't think there's going to be anyone that you haven't heard of that you're going to be too upset about.
1: Okay. I was reading, actually, say that you guys play your first and second pairings on defense probably more than any other team. Yeah. Uh, You probably took advantage of Boston because Boston was not really running four good lines, but the Rangers are running four above-average lines, I would say. Do you think that's something to be worried about?
0: I don't know. The problem with Boucher is that he uses FNAF-CC as a shutdown pairing, and they're not a shutdown pairing. They're a, I don't know, get hemmed in your own zone for half the game pairing. Survive? Yeah, exactly. Which means that then against Boston, it was Fenef CC are going to play against the Bergeron line, and then hopefully Carlson can beat all the other lines that are out there.
1: <laughs> <laughs> That's quite the load to put on Carlson. I mean, I know he's a great yep. player and probably. Yes. Where would you rank him in defensemen in the league if you could? I don't know. If, if I could? Yeah. Uh, top five? I mean,
0: yeah. I would say probably top three. Yeah. It's.
2: Yeah. yeah. I don't know. I feel like I would. I think I feel like the NHL consensus, is if you're building a young defensive core, you're either taking Carlson or Hedman as your number one.
0: Yep, I could see that now. But the thing is that three years ago, it would have been Carlson or Doughty. So right. Hmm. this I, is why I'm running through the, in the idea. Of in case you're wondering, I
1: hate that guy. Just want to throw that out there. Doughty?
0: Okay, yeah. well, we, we all do too.
1: <laughs> okay, good. So we have something in common. This has been a very friendly uh, interview for two teams that are going to be killing well, each other in three days.
0: See, I... I was thinking though, because the Sens played the Rangers. What when was that? 2012?
1: Yeah. That we, the Sens played the Rangers yeah, that, in the playoffs. Mm-hmm.
0: And there was some bad blood in that series. There was the like suspension to Hagelin. there was Matt Karkner just dummying Brian Boyle, things like that. But I don't I didn't come away with it feeling a hatred for the Rangers like I have for some other teams. Like, I was actively cheering for Montreal to lose in the first round because I can't stand watching them play anymore.
1: I I know it's funny. I feel the same way about Ottawa Senators. Like, I don't have any bad blood with you guys. Like, you guys destroyed me when I went to go see a game, but, like, good on you. But there's no real rivalry here. Like, Montreal, we hated that team. There was more Mm -hmm. more hits and more physical play in that series than I've seen in the last three years. But I don't think we're really going to have a physical series. I think it'll be more of, like, a finesse, and you, you guys do the trap and try and bore us out. As we try and break break your defense,
0: that that sounds
2: about right. Yeah.
1: Okay, that's great expert analysis. <laughs> yeah, I, I, exactly. I also think, I think it's
2: interesting because I think Ranger fans wanted a Senators matchup more than they wanted a Bruins matchup. Like I think Ranger fans, no disrespect to the Senators, I just think Ranger fans are were more afraid of the Bruins than I guess they are the Senators. I don't, I can't put yeah. my finger on why. I think yeah. it's oh, I think that's... part of it is what you're saying about just the teams not having a. Necessary rivalry. Like I have bad memories of playing the Bruins. I don't have bad yeah. memories about playing.
0: Yeah, I I can understand that though. I would have rather, pro- I'd probably rather play the Bruins than the Senators too. That most people look at the Senators as the team that most overachieved this year. Like they didn't have the goal differential or the shot differential or anything to justify being second in the
1: division. Well, sometimes you catch magic in a bottle. Uh, is there? Do you have a prediction for what? What's going to be happening? Obviously, you're going to probably lean the Senators' side here.
0: Oh, yeah. See, in my uh, pre-playoff bracket, I had the Sens and the Rangers winning their series, and then the Rangers winning this one in seven. Mm. So now, now that the Sens actually <laughs> did win their series, I say, oh, am I still thinking that? So yes, that's what's going to be published tomorrow is that I'm picking the Rangers in seven. Okay. It's something I often do that I just kind of hedge my emotions. It's like, well, that way, if Ottawa loses, at least, uh, at least my bracket is still
2: right. How how is home ice in Ottawa? Maybe that's something Ranger fans haven't ever thought about. Um, Ottawa had a better
0: Ottawa had a better away record than home record this year. Oh, hey, us um, yes, too.
1: We did that too. So, yes, so. <laughs> <laughs> uh,
0: it's it's not a super loud crowd. It took two thirds of the year for people to start coming to games, and you can read a thousand pieces explaining why that's true, but it means that. Outside of the send supporters section, there's not really a lot of noise that goes on at games. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I don't think teams really feel like, oh, we're in we're in Ottawa and we can tell. Yeah, I feel like you're going to get annoyed with how many Ranger fans
2: are just going to show up to Ottawa for playoff games.
0: Uh, we're used to it. I mean, there probably won't be as many as they were Bruins fans. There definitely won't be as many as if we'd played Toronto or Montreal. No, Montreal, you would have been
1: you would have been mopped. <laughs> yeah. You wouldn't have well, any of your own fans there.
0: A a regular season game against Toronto is probably about seventy five, twenty five Leafs fans to Sens fans. Yikes. That's no fun.
1: No. Actually
0: no, I, I, I would
1: enjoy being the Ottawa fan there because I would just scream at everyone. That would be it's, a good
0: time. it's fun if Ottawa wins.
1: Right. <laughs>
0: going home with going home to, you know, fourteen thousand people yelling this is our house over and over again after so they bad. won is not the best feeling in the world. It's I have done it.
1: Disrespectful. <laughs> All right, Greg. Uh, I'm, I'm, uh, pr- I've pretty much gotten the the grasp of the series. Uh, my prediction is that uh, we'll win in six. I'm, I'm feeling actually rather confident in this series. I don't think you guys can handle the offense we're gonna throw at you. But maybe I'm, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe we just go dead. Kreider has been invisible this last series. So if he does come alive in Miller too, uh, I think you'll have a, your hands full. Some players you should maybe watch out for is Brady Shea. I know you said you named uh, some defensemen you couldn't name before. Brady Shea is kind of one of our up, uh, up and comer young defenseman who's been pretty much lights out this whole year.
0: Yeah. I figured out how to pronounce his name in these playoffs. Before go. that, I was saying,
2: I was saying ski yeah, So yeah, we probably did that
0: too.
2: <laughs> no, I think, I think we started off calling him Skagy. Skagey, I think yeah. that, was, that was our first pronunciation <laughs> yeah, of his name. Okay. Uh, yeah. I think it's, it's safe to say as great as McDonough has been and as solid as Dan Girardi was in the first round, the Brady Shea Brandon Smith line was the Rangers best defensive core in that first round. Brandon Smith played out of his mind. That's what yeah. was, I, well, I was looking
0: at him. It was over 20 minutes a game. That's not what I think of uh, Brandon Smith as. No, it well, is physical.
2: When your third pairing, pairing is Nick Holden and Mark Stahl, uh, you, you'll ask for why it wasn't 30 minutes for Brandon Smith because <laughs> <laughs> unreal. I unreal. Yeah, um, yeah, my prediction for this series is no matter what the result is, I'm still going to want AD fired, I think. That, that, that's basically what it comes down to.
1: <laughs> oh. So
2: you're, pre- you're predicting your own future state of mind. Yeah, I just hate the guy. Uh, okay. I, I think this is the safe way to put it. Like, Can, I I don't know anything about Guy Boucher, but I guarantee you he's a better coach.
0: Have- Can I ask you why you hate AV so much? Oh, oh uh, how, much, you, how, much, how time much time you have? Time you have, have. Shit! Uh, I would say, I would say, give me like the thirty-second explanation.
2: The easiest way is all you have to look at goes back to the original insertion of Tanner Glass into the Rangers lineup. It's okay. one of those things where yes, it did work, but. The Rangers have a prospect by the name of Pavel Buchnevich, who as yes. soon as he stepped into the lineup, the Rangers offense took on a different look and a different feel. And it, everyone knew the Rangers offense was going to take a different look and different feel because Buchnevich is just that talented. And for whatever reason, AV has not wanted to give young players a chance. Um, yeah. Bucinavich is one example. The Rangers, I mean, if you've listened to any Ranger podcast, I think you would have heard any Ranger fan complaining about either Nick Holden or Kevin Klein, just depending on the week. And the fact that the Rangers haven't given chances to younger defensemen. Uh, we've said the name Adam Clendetting a lot on this podcast, but Steve Tamfer is another one. Like AV's unwillingness to try something new and his yep. stubbornness to play his guys is, has been a real problem for the Rangers this year.
0: Yeah. No that's question. The, that's, that's the
2: problem with most coaches, though, isn't it?
0: Not wanting to play young guys at the expense of guys who've played more. We've run into issues this year on defense again that Mark borvietsky gets into every game he's healthy for. And at some point, Boucher in a press conference said, this is a guy who's been with this team for 200 games now. You don't want You don't want to punish him for having stuck it out for this long and then by scratching him to play someone who's new here. He said, but what if he's way worse than the guy you're scratching him to play. Wouldn't that right. be a better coaching decision?
2: Right. It, yeah. it was one of those things with the Rangers this year, though, that when Clendenning and Camford did play, they did get chances. They were just significantly better both through the eye test and in the yeah. advanced numbers that it never justified mm-hmm. playing oh. the other guys. And I think it, it just came to a head with Ranger fans this year. Yeah. Definitely me.
1: I'm, still on, yep, I'm still on fans. Team AV, so. Yeah.
2: Okay. No, I am, I, am all, I am all for, for – no, the Rangers I've, – I've said this on the podcast. The Rangers could win the Cup this year. I'm still fine with firing ridiculous. AD this the guy is year.
1: ridiculous. All right, well.
0: <laughs> I think, I mean, on our end, Frederick Clayson this year on defense had a six, seven-game point streak spread over three months because he would only play one game every three weeks. That's... But it was, what do you have to do? More than score two points every game you play to get into the lineup.
1: What really there's there's nothing more you could do, legitimately. They just they exactly. just hate that guy. Yep. There's just people yeah, that coaches exactly. hate. Yep. So we're all stuck with that. Listen, I kind of don't wish you luck at all, but I hope we have a good yeah, series. Exactly.
0: I hope it's a good series and let's agree to hope that the Washington Pittsburgh games are all triple, quadruple overtime triple games. Triple overtime,
1: seven some... games. That's all I want. Yeah, exactly. I'm...
2: And if if for some reason in the this crazy world that we live in that Matt Zuccarello and Derek Rossard drop gloves. Just know that those are two brothers punching each other in the face and they probably love every second of them.
0: <laughs> <laughs> All right. I will keep my eyes out for it. I'll make sure to put that on Twitter if it happens.
1: All right. Thanks, Ross, for coming on. Really appreciate it. All right.
0: Thank you guys for having me. This is fun. All
1: right. Later, man. Thank you. Oh, go do you fun. want to plug
0: anything? Oh, before yeah. You plug go. your stuff. Plug our, your Twitter. All that. Oh, okay. Yeah. Well, our website is silver 7 Our Twitter account is at silver7sends. We, you can follow us for all sorts of sense, thing that, sense things that go on. What you really want um, to say
1: is you can follow us to yell at us about this series. Exactly. <laughs> so when
0: everything comes wrong when, you know, uh, Carlson falls apart and FNAF CC turned into pristine shutdown defenseman. Then you can come back at me and tell me how wrong I was.
1: Exactly. There you go. All right. And then you could go You can just Google SB Nation Ottawa Senators and find some of your work there. Right?
0: Yes, exactly.
1: All right. Great. Yep. All right. So now that we've done that, we'll say goodbye. Thanks a so lot again, Ross. Appreciate it.
0: Thank you guys, too.
1: And we're back. I want to just thank Ross for coming on here and talking a lot of stuff with us. I know we mis- mispronounced his name like seven times before that, that podcast, but uh, we did kill it there. He's, uh, he, he did a great job kind of informing us on what, what's going to happen in this series, and we, we seem to agree what the result will be, so that's good. Now that we're back, Greg, you know, we talked a little bit earlier about Pavel Bushnevich being inputted into the lineup and how it took too long. There is a certain Mets player you might want to talk about at this point in time.
2: Unbelievable. Unbelievable.
1: Is his name Michael Conforto?
2: It is. We've talked... It's just funny because I've definitely talked about how there's a one-to-one correlation between Terry Collins and Elaine Vigneault. No, you don't say. There seems seems to be a one-to-one correlation between Michael Conforto and Pavel Buchnevich as well. It blows my mind that there's going to be a way for Conforto not to be in the Mets' everyday lineup when Cespedes is healthy on Tuesday. Like, there is... It's I, I'm i I'm having a hard time putting words together because it makes tell. me so goddamn angry. Uh, what more do you want Conforter to do? He had three hits on a home run last night. He's hitting, he's, I think, the Mets' most valuable player by war so far this season. He's been remarkable. And look, the most surprising thing about the Mets is how well Jay Bruce has probably played out of the gate. So I can't even say, like, ah, Conforter should be playing over Bruce. But Curtis Granderson has been the human definition of the dumpster fire. He's hitting under uh, – if it wasn't for Jose Reyes, I think more people would be complaining about Curtis Granderson. Granderson's hitting under a buck 90. His OPS is under 500. He hasn't played good defensively in center field. It's – there is no – he's on the, the last year of a four-year contract, so it's not even like the Rangers have to, you know – Rangers, the Mets. They're not the, – the, the, oh the Mets aren't – there is no scenario where the Mets are bringing Curtis Granderson back. This nope. is Curtis and Granderson – this is Curtis, Curtis and Granderson. Are you This okay? is Curtis Granderson. I, no, I am not because it makes me so damn angry. This is his last run with the Mets. And yes. the Mets have to think that this is – it's not even if this is a realistic opinion for the Mets to have. But with the pitching they have, the Mets front office has to think this team is capable of making deep playoff runs and possibly making the World Series. And they're not going to do it if Curtis Granderson is starting over Michael Conforto. Conforto is just better. They're, he's better defensively. He's a better hitter. Honestly, the Mets are so imperfect that Michael Conforto is their best leadoff hitter. And again, a dude who hits fucking 380. Fuck it. I'm bringing up his numbers because it's only going to make me angry. Okay. I can, I can out. talk
1: about this right now. Michael Conforto, uh, from what I can look in as a fantasy guy was looking at Michael Conforto's numbers earlier. And it seems like even when he's getting pinch hit at bats, he does something well.
2: He gets on base. Yeah. He gets on base almost every time his, the ability Michael Conforto has to get on base when he has to is incredible. And um, it's – but you know what? I can already <laughs> see the scenario where Terry Collins is just like, well, it's great that I have Conforto off the bench. He's my best pinch hitter. Yeah, it would be greater if he got four fucking at-bats a game, though. Like, utilize him a little better there, Chief.
1: Mm. I, I, right. I, excited. Excited I can't see it. a way that Terry Collins keeps continues to sit at him when he's playing that well. I just don't understand.
2: Uh, Michael Conforto through 44 at Bats Ryan, um, is slashing three, 361, 432, 722. Oh my God. He has a WRC plus of 200. He's already worth one win. Um, and maybe most surprisingly is he has a positive defensive rating.
1: There you go. I mean, dude, you don't have anything else. That, that's it. That's all. Play, play the boy. Play the boy.
2: <laughs> I know it. I love small sample sizes when you look at UZR. They're incredible. But so far this year, uh, Michael Conforto in center field in 33 and two thirds inning is an 18.6 UZR 150. For people left- who don't
1: know what UZR is, can you just say what it is?
2: Uh, it's ultimate zone rating. So it's basically like a barometer of how well a player not only fields the ball at his defensive position but covers ground mm-hmm. defensively. His left field rating in 43 and two third innings. This is I've never I've never seen this 102.6. UZR over 150. That's a lot. <laughs> I know that's like it's the smallest sample <laughs> size humanly possible, but yeah, I mean it's just funny to look at. That's a it's a big fucking number.
1: <laughs> are you uh, obviously you're upset about the weekend series with the Nationals? Uh, yeah, pretty a, upset. That's obvious. Did you do? Did you feel like you were better than that team, or the injuries are just what's really crippling the Mets right now?
2: I think, uh, and I I know it's hard to say this given the result of the weekend. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the Mets are on the same level as the Nationals. I think those are two teams that are pretty evenly matched um, mm-hmm. when healthy and when playing a full competent lineup. Uh, I think I think the Mets lineup can go toe-to-toe with the Nationals lineup, and I, I still think the Mets pitching can go toe-to-toe with the Nationals pitching. It feels like the weird... Mets
1: could use a second baseman who could hit the ball a little bit.
2: What the fuck are you talking about? Neil Walker's fine.
1: <laughs> he's been pretty bad. He's not, he's not been great uh, with the bad, at least this year. He's been a good defensively.
2: He, he, I mean, Neil, I'm willing to give Neil Walker the benefit of the doubt and say he's off to a slow start. He's been hitting better recently. I mean, he had a two run homer last night um, and he had a three run homer. Like, he's got two homers in his last five games. I think Walker is fine. Okay. I think it would behoove the Mets to play an actual person at third base. Um, Jose Reyes is a walking out. I've never seen anything like it. All the goodwill that Reyes I gave going into this season has evaporated, and
1: it's gone in
2: the in the first 19 games of the year. Uh, it, I I've seen a lot of bad hitters come through the Mets. Jason Bay was a the train worst. wreck,
1: the worst, um, <laughs> the worst of all of them.
2: Going back to Jeremy Burnitz, there was a year where Jeremy Burnitz was literally striking out every other at bat for the Mets. Um, there were times where the Mets were starting guys by the name of Andrew Brown, Colin Cowdell. Uh, no they've started, they've started Chris Carter, not the big black Chris Carter, but a lefty white version that is not good. <laughs> the Caucasian um, Chris Carter.
1: Of course. That's what we all call him. Ike,
2: Ike Davis was just the dumpster fire. Do you
1: remember when the choice was Ike Davis or Lucas Duda?
2: Crazy. Right. That's and, insane now. Um, at the same time, as bad as those guys have been in stretches, this might be the worst offensive stretch I have ever seen a med hitter go through. I I, I can't – the only thing I can compare this to, and it's funny that we mentioned I, Ike Davis versus Lucas Duda, when Duda first came up, he went one for his first 32.
0: Yeah. It got
2: to a point where I felt bad for the guy. Um, But you could also justify it being like, oh, he's a rookie, he's kind of playing out of position. And obviously, he's turned out fine. Jose Reyes might just be cooked. Like, I, I, I don't see anything that points to hope. His at-bats are non-competitive. Um, he's getting fooled by fastballs down the middle of the plate. When he makes contact, it's weak contact. There have been maybe five balls I've seen him hit hard this entire season. And that's not like I'm missing games. I will admit freely I didn't watch the last two games because uh, I, I elected to sleep on Saturday to stay up for game six. And then last night the game just started too late and I had to go to work. Sounds like the cake uh, is
1: baked for Jose Reyes. It's over. Is what you're it's, it's
2: not great. And, uh, you know, the Mets, they're starting to do some interesting things with Ahmed Rosario. They've been playing him at third base oh. the last couple of games in AAA. Oh. He's, he's hitting around 400. For Vegas right now, Jesus. Um, well, Vegas so is a hitter's
1: league. Just, just for reference,
2: right? It's but I mean, four hundred is four hundred. No, I know. It's, I mean, the Dodgers fight. are
1: doing something similar right now with Cody Bellinger. They're playing some train wrecks throughout the throughout the outfield, and Cody Bellinger's ripping it up at AAA, and they won't call him up yet. So
2: I I will expect I expect Bellinger to make his debut before Rosario. I would I despite Reyes' struggles. Um, what's making the Reyes' struggles worse is Flores is now hurt. So as much as I love TJ Rivera, it's like Terry Collins doesn't exactly have a better option than Jose Reyes. He kind of has to just wait it out. Um, though, I will not be angry if Rivera gets more at-bats. I think Rivera is more competitive at-bat right now than Reyes is. Uh, but I think, uh, and look, at the end of the day, this is the Mets will be playing game 20 of 162 tomorrow. I was about to make this point. So. Like, this is a really bad stretch for the Mets. They've lost 8 of 10. But, you know, if you look at the games individually, they've lost, I think, 6 of their last 8 losses have come with the team scoring in their final plate appearance. So those are 50-50 games. It is rare for a team to lose all of those games. I think... If a similar stretch like this happens later in the year, it's just as possible for the Mets to win all those games as they are to lose them. The bullpen is a concern. Uh, I think it's better now that Familia is back. It can prevent Terry Collins from trying to murder his relievers like he's actively doing. <laughs> I think. I think Fernando Salas and Jerry Blevins are both on pace to appear in over a hundred games this year.
1: Yeah, not not great, Bob. That's not good.
2: No, and. <laughs> It's it that, but I feel like Terry does this every year. He finds two relievers that he's just absolutely fucking in love with, and then tries to burn them to the ground.
1: I do want to move on a little bit with with Met, from the Mets talk and, and, and kind of end this, end this podcast for, in the right way. Uh Fast Eight has made one point five billion dollars worldwide already. So, gra-
2: so good, gra- um,
1: congratulations, Greg. <laughs> say,
2: I man. I would like to thank the Academy. Yeah. Um, so here are my three. I'll give my three biggest fast
1: takes. Okay.
2: Number one, Jason Statham steals the show. All right. That is, fast eight is Jason Statham's movie. He is, he is the funniest and the most entertaining character, uh, in the series. I could not have been more just giddy with his performance. I love Statham. I've always loved Statham. His, this is my favorite Statham performance.
1: Okay. This is a good take. This is, that's, Uh, that's a good convincing to make me watch a movie that I don't really want to watch. So, He's fantastic.
2: Okay. There there is <laughs> I don't think no this uh just there is a very long fight sequence or shooting sequence involving Statham and <laughs> another character that I I'm not gonna spoil it because it's just you need to go and be like I want you to go in this movie Block. knowing that there's an epic Statham fight scene coming up okay. and not knowing who the second character in that fight scene with Statham is.
1: Alright. So leave it's it at that. Give me your second point in Fast Fear. Uh
2: Second point, The Rock is enjoyable, I think, in any movie role he can be in. I don't think Like, that, I'm not that's, saying... That's
1: not even a take. Like, that's... <laughs> no, but like,
2: there are two parts of this movie where you just, this doesn't spoil anything, but like, The Rock is going on this big, hokey, motivational speech, and you can tell the way he's giving it. He's not giving it to grown-ups, he's giving it to children. Um, and then, Rock has, I mean, Rock has the line of the movie, I think. Well, the second, there. The Rock and Statham have maybe the greatest trash talking exchange of all time. And the trailer has this line in it, so I'm not spoiling anything. Okay. It's just great hearing The Rock say, I'm gonna beat your ass like a Cherokee drum. <laughs> it's maybe my favorite line in movie history. And then <laughs> St- history. Statham Statham in the most statham way possible. Just reacts to that line by going Wanka. And it's it's just fantastic. But their their chemistry is so Fun and there's a report out today, and this this kind of got me antsy in my pantsy, that the um, Fast producers because this movie was so successful. Oh my god! We already know that there's going to be a Fast Nine and a Fast Ten. Oh,
1: there's already a ten. Thinking,
2: yeah, they're going to be they're going to be ten in this series, oh. but they're also thinking of doing like Seven A, which would not have Dom and his crew, but it would be The Rock, Statham, and Charlize Theron. Wow. Just... And I, I – I, look, I read that today and I gave a random person $20 just hoping that it was going to happen.
1: It's just free money. It really is just free money. Give me your last take because I want to move on to the NFL draft real quick.
2: It is hilarious <laughs> uh, just how over the top all of – uh, that's not even a take. The cameos in this movie are perfect. Okay. There are – people come back that you have relationships with in this franchise and you're just so happy to see that. It's Shit, it's so I honestly have to like watch
1: the other ones before this.
2: Uh, you will not enjoy the cameos as much as I did okay. if you have not seen the first seven movies.
1: All right, fine. I, I have to watch. I've seen the first three. I've seen the ones where they actually drive, and then they become a, a hike bank a heist bank crew. They become a super.
2: They become a superhero movie.
1: Yeah, it's pretty much. a superhero But at, movie. at the same
2: time, it's like I want to see Guardians of the Galaxy, but Ugh. there's I don't prepare for the other superhero movies. I super fast is the superhero. great fast is the greatest superhero franchise we currently have going. I-
1: I um, this is a let's save this for next week because I definitely want to talk about this. So come back next week and hear me talk nerd out with Craig about superhero movies. Right now, do you care about the NFL draft? And is it surprising that most mock drafts do not have a quarterback going one or two?
2: Really, I read today that the Niners are hard on Deshaun Watson yet, too.
1: Oh, okay. So I, most mock drafts I read today, for the most updated ones, didn't have a quarterback going till like eleven, which I was surprised about. I
2: will say, I will say this. Um... Maybe this is because I finally I really have like cut the cord with ESPN. I cannot tell you the last time I watched ESPN for anything. Yep. Uh, This is the least amount of hype I've heard around the draft in quite some time.
1: I totally agree.
2: I don't know know if that's because, like you were saying, the quarterbacks tend to drive the draft. Like as good as the quarterback star is, how much we end up talking about the draft. It seems like a foregone conclusion that Miles Garrett, the defensive end from Texas A and M, is going number one. Um. That's it. And then after that, it's it's kind of everyone's guess. Like, the Niners, the Niners seem just as – every team that needs a quarterback seems just as likely to trade down as they are to actually draft one. Um, so there, but again, I, I'm sure if I've been watching ESPN every day for the last six weeks
1: be with as much
2: other things – Right. With as much other things going on in the world, they would still lead with the NFL draft every time.
1: How though? So, the hockey playoffs and the NBA, it's and the NBA's good right now. It's good. Yeah, but
2: the ESPN has invested more money in football than they have any other sport. Ridiculous. Okay. Um right or wrong, that's just where the money is. Uh for them at least. It should be right now, if I'm ESPN and I'm talking about not talking about something that isn't the NBA playoffs, I don't really know what you're doing. I like I personally don't care. About the NBA playoffs. I've watched exactly zero minutes I
1: care. of the NBA playoffs.
2: Um, but like ESPN has games. ESPN should invest more time in the NBA product. And maybe they are. Again, I,
1: I, mean, I don't I'm know. Don't I don't
2: know. <laughs> I, but at the same time, like me not knowing, I am the kind of demographic that ESPN needs. ESPN needs guys like me to give a shit about ESPN. Yep. And I'm starting to think more guys like me and you.
1: Do not care. We just don't. We don't care. I, I don't
2: care. I don't care about any of the content on ESPN. Uh, I have a hard, I, I care so little about the content on ESPN that I have a hard time going to ESPN for live sports. Yep. I don't like last night. If the Mets Sunday night baseball game was on SNY, I am 100 times more likely to stay up and watch it. The fact that it was on ESPN made it a super easy decision for me to go to bed.
1: Right. No, I don't want to
2: listen to those guys. No. It's no. miserable. And I don't want to deal with ESPN at all. So, I'm a diehard Met fan, and I made the—I mean, I'm a diehard Met fan that has to get up for work every morning at two a.m. But I stayed up for Sunday night baseball before, and I decided last night that I would rather sleep than have to listen to Dallas Braden.
1: Exactly. Listen, I got to wrap this podcast up. I got stuff to do tonight, so I want to just say—Holy
2: shit! It's seven forty-two.
1: Yeah, man. I know. I know you got to go to what bed. The fuck? I know. Fuck? I, I want to say that on Thursday, we might be doing, I I'm, or I don't know if you'll be around, but I might be doing a post-game uh, reaction. I will be at a concert, unfortunately, for the for the game, and I, I will be trying to watch a little bit on my phone on MSG Go, a little bit of plug there for MSG.
2: Thursday, I'm available. Thursday's an off night. I'm not going to the Mets. The Mets don't even play at night, so it's not like I could go. Um, I will be drunk if we podcast, though, because that Thursday is now kickball night, and after kickball, we go to the bar.
1: All right. Well, I might not be home till a little late, so we'll uh, we'll figure that out, and we'll. Uh... I'll still be trying. Okay, perfect. So we'll record then if uh, if we get the chance, and we'll do that, and uh, maybe we'll do a, an over the weekend reaction game too. But stay tuned for some uh, some some more stuff from us from the podcast and some Twitter posts on Blue Shirt Break and all that. Follow us there, and uh, that's it, Greg. You have anything else that you want to say?
2: Uh, please God, start Michael Conforto over Curtis Granderson. Oh, there,
1: there you go. A lot of stuff to come, guys. Uh, go Rangers, and I'm super excited for this series, which I think we will win.